We're sticking with our teaching on Kingdom Impact, which we've been doing over the last number of weeks. Uh, we've talked uh, about the early church, how the early church was birthed, how Jesus said to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem for the promised gift, the Holy Spirit that's coming to you. The Holy Spirit came in incredible drama and incredible uh, life-changing events for many, many, many people. And then we begin to see the early church unravel, how the disciples began to unpack Goodness, how do we do this thing that Jesus uh, taught us and how do we lead the way? And what we wanted to do is kind of tie in those real events that actually happened, which we have documented in Scripture, and how do they impact and relate to us as a church community today, this year, 2020, and moving forwards. And as you know, we've been casting some vision and our intentions for the next season of our lives as a church is we really want to see numerical growth. We really want to see more people added to our number. And that's about especially those that don't yet know Jesus. That's especially those who are far from God, those who maybe had a church upbringing, but for one reason or another just are not following Jesus right now. We want to see uh, the kingdom come in small ways, in large ways. We want to see our community transformed uh, because of the love of Jesus and at some point, we would love a place of our own. As part of this series, we wanted to look at personal stories of how uh, God changed individual one lives. And through that one life, it impacted and affected many other people. And Chantel, uh, I hear did a stunning job uh, looking at the life of Stephen. And she had rather a lot of uh, to cover in about 15 minutes. So, uh, so that was that. Next week, we're going to talk about Saul, who later became Paul, or was renamed Paul, but this morning we want to look at Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, to put this context, uh, this passage in context, simply we read in Acts chapter 8 uh, that Stephen was stoned and the church continued to be persecuted and the church scattered. So you can imagine uh, all the kingdom impact stuff's happening in Jerusalem, but they're getting it tight. The early Christians were getting massively persecuted. And as a result, the, those people were scattered throughout all of the region, the surrounding area. In many ways, some of them ran away. But as they went and as they spread out, they continued to preach the gospel and spread the gospel. And, uh, and the kingdom impact happened uh, all over the places. Philip, who was one of Jesus' disciples, uh, he left Jerusalem and he went to another city in the next door nation of Samaria. And crowds listened to his teaching, and many uh, saw and witnessed signs and wonders. One of them uh, was a man called Simon the sorcerer, who tried to buy the power of the Holy Spirit and uh, was rebuked severely. Uh, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon uh, many of the new believers there and uh, until Peter and John went to visit, and they prayed for the new converts that they would receive the Holy Spirit. And then we pick up the story with Philip has this encounter with this Ethiopian eunuch. We're going to read together, then we're going to unpack it, kind of see what's God going to say to us uh, through it. If you're like me, you're probably switched off by now, because I'm not an auditory learner. I'm doing all the talking, you're doing all the listening, and I can already see a few nods going down like this. And so tune in the brain. Here it goes. I'm going to read, but the word's going to come up there, and then we'll see what we're going to make of it as a result. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. 
On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. That is the passage. Let me paraphrase for you, because again, like me, I'm not a great reader. I'm just being honest with you. I'm a terrible reader, unlike my lovely wife who's a brilliant reader so it takes me a while to actually unpack kind of words so I'm going to sort of paint a picture for you and paraphrase kind of what's happened <clears throat> Philip has left Jerusalem he's gone to another nation to Samaria and whilst he's there and by the way he was sent there by an angel so he's obeying the word of the Lord through an angel which is pretty impressive so he's being obedient to the Lord and the angel's voice and leading and so he's gone to Samaria and whilst he's there in Samaria, <coughs> he comes across out in the desert a chariot with something pulling the chariot, we're assuming, because they didn't have engines in those days. And there were probably lots of other people. And there was an Ethiopian man from Ethiopia. And he hears the Ethiopian reading from the book of Isaiah. And the spirit says to Philip, go close, go close to that chariot and you'll be able to listen. So he must have walked across to the side of the chariot and the chariot's kind of going along. Now it must have been slow, otherwise he'd have to run along beside it. Like if the chariot's going fast, he'd have to be running. Do you see? See how we paint a picture from the words? It's brilliant. I'm a picture person, a visual person, a kinesthetic person. That's what I'm trying to do with you today to help understand the passage. So as we are going, he's listening and he's listening to the words of Isaiah and he begins to have a conversation. He says, hey, Mr. Ethiopian eunuch. I don't know how he knows he's a eunuch. We're getting, we're getting onto the eunuch in a minute. <laughs> I've just thought of that. <laughs> so as he's there, he's going, 
what, what, what's that you're reading? Oh, you're reading that. Well, do you understand what you're reading? No, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. And he asks a question about it. He says, this question that I'm reading here, it was from chapter 53 of Isaiah, talks about Jesus. He says, is the prophet talking about himself, Isaiah, or is he talking about somebody else? He says, let me tell you. He's talking about this man, Jesus. And he unpacks those words and then he uses many other words to tell him and to talk to him about Jesus. And the Ethiopian man goes, what's to stop me getting baptized? There's some water in the desert. Who'd have known? Can I get baptized? Well, if you believe in Jesus, yes, you can. Baptizes him. And in that very moment, this is the most unbelievable bit, is the Holy Spirit just takes Philip away and plants him somewhere else. It's like teleportation, which happens and is recorded in other parts of the scriptures. That is what we've just read, paraphrased, and painted a little bit of a picture so that we can understand it. Here are some thoughts uh, based on it. Who was the Ethiopian eunuch? Well, first of all, the eunuch bit um, was that he had an operation of sorts in his private areas and uh, that was simply for one of two reasons. One, in a royal household would be to um, contain themselves around the harem. If you don't know what that is, ask your mums and dads. And, um, and if it wasn't that, it could be because they were in a royal position which meant that the person would be dignified around the queen of which the Ethiopian was a royal official and was in charge of the cash. He was, he was responsible for the money. He worked for the treasury. It's like the Chancellor of the Exchequer for the Ethiopian uh, queen. And so it was to help uh, behave himself. But it was also as a, as a really devoted um, act of servitude towards uh, the person that they were serving. So that's the eunuch bit covered. Now, he had gone on a trip from where he'd come from to Jerusalem to worship because we read that. Now we don't know whether he was a believer or not but we suspect that he was seeking uh, of some kind. Um, what else have we written down here? We'll move swiftly on. The Holy Spirit, here's just a few points. Another thing that we learn from the passage is the leading of the Holy Spirit. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road. And he goes there and he comes across the Ethiopian. And then secondly, the Spirit tells Philip, go and be near to that chariot. Now, a number of weeks earlier, we talked about Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John, they go to the temple and on the way, do you remember that phrase I kept using? It, the miracle happened on the way. They were going to church. They were going to the temple at whatever time it was to pray. And it was on the way that they encountered the guy who was begging. And they have this conversation. And Peter heals the guy that's on the ground. Do you remember that story? It was on the way. Here is very different. Here, the Holy Spirit teaches and leads and then sends Philip to be obedient. 
So most of us, we live our day, don't we? We kind of go, most of us tomorrow already have a plan of action. The alarm will go off at a certain time and we'll have school to go to. We'll have university to go to. We'll have work to go to. We'll maybe have a day off tomorrow. Maybe we're retired. Maybe we're going to do something tomorrow and we'll just go about our normal everyday life. And on the way, God will have some encounters for us. If we'll tune in, there will be some interactions that we'll have with individuals and with people on the way. But in this circumstance, Philip was minding his own business and bam, this angel comes and says, you must go to the desert road because I have a special encounter with a person for you. And the question really is this is how attentive are we tuning in to the Holy Spirit in order to actually go? And I'm, I'm just reminded of our team, um, our Revive team, which Ian and Jules uh, lead. When they, when they go deliberately uh, out onto the streets and, and talking to people, but first of all, listening to the whispers of the Holy Spirit and the leading of, oh, there's a man in a park and He's, and we're going to go there. That's like a deliberate um, approach. And uh, as I was preparing this, I was thinking, goodness, doesn't this sound like the song that we sing, which is based on the parable that Jesus taught? He leaves the 99 to go for the one. And isn't this just a brilliant story about how God is pursuing the one? How God speaks to an individual and is uh, giving them a lead to go to the one. Isn't that a picture of the kingdom? Isn't that a picture of what Jesus taught about? We, as a church, want to grow numerically, but we do it one life at a time. Another thing that we know about the Ethiopian is he was a seeker searching. He... Uh, he'd gone a long way from Jerusalem, uh, from his home to Jerusalem. And I think what is interesting in this, for those of us who are geographers, I don't have a map today, sadly. And I can see you shaking your head, I'm sorry. I maybe pull out the maps later, we can look at them together. I, I like that. Is, is when Jesus said in Acts and chapter 1, it's like the Holy Spirit will come and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they were in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When we actually read the scriptures, what do we find? Well, the early church was birthed and Paul went on some crazy missionary journeys and he got as far away as Italy and to the center of Roman, uh, uh, to Rome. But here we have a geographical um, bit. We come from Ethiopia. I mean, if Johnny Farrell were here this morning, he'd be whooping and all sorts. Isn't that incredible? So through the one, who knows how many people's lives were impacted? And again, because of the significance of the person and who the person was, how many lives might that one individual have actually affected? Um, where are we? I'm totally lost in my notes. Totally and utterly winging it. That's what I wanted to say. 
He was clearly a man who was searching. And as I was preparing this, I was just thinking, consider your own journey. If you are already a Christian, what was your journey? How did you come to faith, as we coined the phrase here? How did you come, when did it become real for you? When did it become personal to you? For this individual, he was searching. And he was actually reading the scriptures. Who is it who's in our lives that we know personally? Who's drawn to us? Who is it in our lives that's actually asking questions? Do you notice those who you spend time with? The interesting thing is, I was pondering this. Um, I find people that I know who are in my life that I know don't know Jesus and don't go to church and do all that thing. I, I kind of feel like, and now I could be wrong, I feel like people are either put off by me or they're drawn to me. And I think they're put off by me one of two ways. One is because when they find out what I do for a living, they just stay clear of me. Now, I could be having a bit of a complex here and a bit of a whatever, but I think there's a bit of that in there. But I also think this, that sometimes people can be so wrapped up in their own shame and their own stuff that when they come across a minister or a father, <laughs> they, they, again, they just, they just feel awkward. And I have noticed that, rightly or wrongly. But also, there are many people who I know are drawn to me. And they want to actually be with me. And it's not because I'm a really cool guy or I'm really nice, although that is true. <laughs> it's because of who lives in me. Because, and it's not just me, right? It's us. We carry the presence of Jesus. And he is attractive. Have I got time? There's a a brief story who uh, our founding father of the Vineyard Church used to tell, where he was really naughty once, um, but he noticed exactly what I'm talking about. He was in a public place, and he noticed this lady kind of was, was kind of circulating and kind of kept coming close to him, and then would go away, and they, they didn't have any conversation, but he just noticed what was happening. And it wasn't like a man-woman attraction weird thing, right? It was, uh, she just kind of kept, and he noticed what was going on. And then after a while, he turned to her and he said, he's good, isn't he? And she was just like, what, what are you talking about? And he began to say, what you're drawn to is the presence of Jesus. And he began to unpack what he meant by that to this lady. She didn't know what was actually happening. The irresistible, tangible presence of Jesus. We've, we've been in it today as we've sung the songs. We get caught up in his presence. We're like, this is good. This feels good. This is what I need. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. And yet we chase after, don't we? Even those of us who are Christians, we chase after all kinds of nonsense that we think will fill uh, the void in our lives, that desperation for what we really want and fulfill our lives. And yet it's the presence of Jesus. 
My question simply is this, is who is it in our lives that we know that God is drawing to himself? That you could be there for to when they ask the question, I'm reading Isaiah chapter 53, can you explain it to me? That you go, let me tell you all about him. The Ethiopian responds and is baptized. He stops the chariot, says, what will prevent me? And they get out and he's baptized. It's an incredible kingdom impact story. We don't know the impact that this one man's life had. He could well have a massive, massive impact. We do know that the gospel spread throughout Africa. And uh, today and this day, goodness, I tell you, from being there, going to Ethiopia, there is massive, massive response to the gospel right now in Ethiopia. Uh, churches being planted all over the place. And uh, who knows, maybe it all began from the one, from the one uh, Ethiopian eunuch who Philip encountered all those years ago. Who knows? We have a large and expansive vision here in Carrickfergus for our town. We believe that we're one church together with many other churches that we love, that we're a part of because we're part of the one body of Christ. It doesn't matter what flavor that, that we are, but we're here to bring good news to the people of our town and surrounding towns for those that need to be set free of hurts, habits, and hang-ups, set free from debt and addictions. We want to see families united and children growing up knowing that they're deeply loved and cared for. We want to see businesses uh, start and grow and flourish and jobs created. We want to see people know that they're loved and cared for by God. And this happens one life at a time. And God is calling us, he's equipping us, and he's sending us that we would be his hands and his feet, that we would do that. Amen.